have the power to be an angel. You have the power to be a blessing from God, but you got to give. And now for Rest Thanksgiving Angels. I am going to sit down today and speak. I know some of you, well, Pastor, you tired? Some hurt? Nope. You saw last week I just jumped up and down multiple times. I wasn't breathing hard. No, nothing's wrong. I just heard God said, sit on the step, sit down, and just speak from a sitting position. Sometimes, you know, positions change. Sometimes there are reasons for things. If I'm standing up, I'm louder. I'm a little bit more energetic, more forceful. And sometimes God just wants you calm to talk. I don't even know the reasons for many of things. I just try to be obedient, and I may not understand it. And there may just be somebody today, and by the example, God may be speaking to you. You just may need to sit down because you're too busy and just stop and breathe and relax and calm down. This world will run you ragged. From early in the morning to late at night, and America is tired. We're stressed out. Lord knows we don't honor any kind of Sabbath. God needed rest. So maybe just the act of sitting down is a word to some of you that it is far better to sit down than to break down. And we don't stop, we don't take it easy, and all of a sudden we're laid up and we can't move. And the Sabbath or just resting was God's first law. And some of us just may need to just sit down, calm down. And, and I know you're saying, Pastor, I just got so much to do. Sit down before you break down. Because if you break down, you can't do what you claim you got to do. And what I have seen in life, and I had problems with this myself, and maybe God just had me sit down just for a reason, just because somebody needed the word to sit down to relax. You got, and I understand how so much of the world can be on your shoulders and you just got so much to do and you got these two levels of things. You've got the things that you need to do and then you got the things that you want to do. And we can be up all night long on the stuff we want to do. And then there are things we need to do things that God has commanded us to do, things that your job or your relationship or your children or your health demands that you do. So you got two kinds of things, the, the things we want to do, which we're going to get done. When we want to do something, we're going to find a way to get that done regardless. And then there are the things you need to do, which often we got all kind of excuses if we don't get those done, but 
But my point is simply this. Between the balance of the wants and the needs, one of the things you need to do is rest. And I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how much you have. I don't care how much you know. God made the world in six days. And God had to rest. Slow down. Sit down. And rest. America has made working around the clock so we've almost put that thing up on a pedestal. I work 67 hours a week. I, I just work. And we've worshiped that for so long, we've lost sight of what's real and what's important. We just grind it all day long. And often, when you see somebody relaxing, you look down on them. And you ought to work. God turns six days, shall thou labor and do all that work. So you ought to work. God said, if you don't work, you don't eat. So you ought to work. There's no issue with that. The issue is we don't stop. And we don't have the balance. And we're ground down and stressed out. Even the medical community says 95% of our illnesses are psychosomatic and stress-related. Just Calm down, sit down. But I ain't sick yet. But if you don't sit down and if you don't rest, I've just seen it even in our personal world. Often those who get the sickest rest the least. Because the stress of the constant grind and ain't got sense enough to slow down, turn your phone off, Shut your notebook down, turn your desktop off, and just relax. So that's just a prelude of a message. I have a series planned, and I had planned on beginning that today. That series, this is the third week that series has been delayed. And, and God says, I'm delaying the series. He says, it's going to be a minute before you get to that series. And I've got it all planned out, probably the most series that I've had, most stuff in advance. I got the first three or four messages all done. And he's just not allowed me to get to it. And today I want to talk to you from a scripture by my favorite character in the Bible. And by favorite, I mean the one I can relate to most. And it's not Jesus. To be honest about it, I have a hard time relating to some of Jesus' stuff. I can relate to Paul. Because I'm a long way from perfect. So I can relate to Paul, who had trouble doing the stuff he needed to do. Then Paul had a thorn in the flesh. That he was trying to be pleaded with God to just take this. Th How many of y'all got a thorn in the flesh? Y'all got something wrong. And you just wish God just take that thing away. You know, well, look, why I got to deal with this stuff? Why? Why me? And Paul just pleaded with God, Lord, and nobody knows what the thorn was. There's a lot of things about Paul no one knows. No one knows what Paul was doing when he said, the things I should do, I don't do, and the very things I have no business doing, and the very thing I'm doing. Paul never explained what that stuff was. You don't know what the thorn was. You don't know what Paul was doing. Paul know. Some of you all have thorns in the flesh. I have no idea what thorns you have. I got a thorn in my flesh that I've been struggling with. And basically, it's blood pressure. And you know, Pastor James and I, we had a luncheon with another gentleman who's in an investment that we're also in. And he was telling us, he's 
slender fellow. He said, look, he said, y'all know anything what to do about this blood pressure? He said, I am slender. He said, I'm vegan. I run marathons. And I'm having the hardest time keeping my blood pressure. I said, I can relate. I understand. It's a thorn in the flesh that I just got to deal with and work with. And I struggle with it. So I understand Paul when he said he had this thorn in his flesh. I'm in better shape than anybody I know at my age, but still, it's hard to keep that under control. Yeah, my daddy had it. Yeah, my mama had it. Y'all saw my mama here at 90 years old, but mama been on blood pressure medicine since she was 35. So I got it. It's a genetic tendency, but it's a thorn in the flesh, and all of us got stuff we are struggling with in the flesh in money arenas, in romance, in relationship arenas. All of us got stuff. Some of y'all got stuff that's keeping you up at night. All of us have stuff that we struggle with, so I can relate to Paul better than any other character in the Bible. Paul did a whole lot. Paul had unshakable faith. But Paul had struggles on the inside and on the outside. So I can just relate to Paul. So I want to read Acts verse 33 in chapter 20, starting with that verse in the NIV version. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I want to talk to you today from the subject of thanksgiving. One word, but two actions, thanks and giving. And I'm not talking to you today about giving to the church. You know, a lot of times when most preachers begin with a subject of giving, they're talking about tithes and offerings, and they're talking about giving to the church. I'm not here to talk to you about that, because to be honest, you've been super faithful with that. When I first became pastor, I told you, we're not going to have any bake sales. We're not going to have any car washes. All I want you to do is do what you're supposed to do. If you do what you're supposed to do, we got to do all that other stuff. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, even trying to do that other stuff, you're going to run into problems. So I thank most of you for doing what you are supposed to do. And I've seen some of the manifestations of that. I was listening to that series, The Reluctant King, because I needed to hear that again. And God has spoken something to me. He said, at the particular time when I preached that, which seven, eight years ago, he said, everybody who's under the sound of my voice in financial distress now has not been faithful to your money with God. And I've seen it recently, even with the Safe in the Ark program. We've helped people with the Safe in the Ark program who ran into some external difficulties for one reason or another. But we've also had people come, and they've come to me and, Pastor, I need help. I got this going on, I got that going on. And normally, I don't keep giving records. I don't look at them, but I got them on my phone for that 10-month period. That God says, this is a period, and for this, anybody can get ten times what they've given if they run into trouble. Those people are sealed, and they're safe in the ark. But when they came to me with all them issues, 
First thing I did, I opened my phone, I pulled up that file, I looked up that name to see what they'd given. And over the whole 10 months, you couldn't buy a milkshake with it. This is no exaggeration. You couldn't buy a milkshake with it. And I said, look, I understand you're in a heap of trouble, but I'm going to do exactly what God has told me to do. I will give you 10 times what you have given every month, but this ain't going to get you, because you can't even buy a milkshake with this. Now, you can buy a milkshake in 10 months, but it won't even get you a whole meal. Those who have been faithful, I have just seen the blessing of it. And that's the Safe in the Ark program. But it goes way beyond that. Because giving first to God causes a blessing in your life. And even outside of the church, whenever I get into folks' finances with stuff and look at them and see what their giving record is, and I just don't know a case of where there has been real serious financial trouble that they can't get out of where that giving record was decent. And that's just the trouble, but what folk don't realize are the blessings that have been blocked because they were not in covenant with God. Some folk would have been multi-millionaires if they had just done right with their money with God. Because I see in my world, the blessings come when God has favor. We just have stuff that just happened, just don't even make sense. No matter how hard we work, no matter how smart we think we are, there's some favor and there's some blessings that come just because of that. So I'm not talking about giving to the church. I'm talking about, let me give you the story of how today's message kind of came about. Do you remember when I drove Route 66? I drove Route 66 last year when I was 66 years old. And as I was driving... God spoke, I want you to double your tippy. Now, it led me to the point where I basically tipped what the meal cost. So if I had a $20 meal, I gave a $20 tip. If I was with a group and we had an $80 meal, I gave an $80 tip. So it was, so when God spoke, he wanted me to double that. I said, yeah, you, something out there, you crazy. <laughs> you know how much that is and all this, you crazy? That's just a lot. But God tries to take you to a level that is beyond. And James and I, we are members of a CEO group. And I was talking about the Route 66 trip. And I was talking about it to one of the members. He, president of a big company. And he says, you know, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to drive Route 66. And God just spoke me and let him use your Miata. And I'm like, are you crazy? I hate to say, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. Am I hearing this right? That's a 3,000-mile trip. Let him use my car to drive 3,000. Are you crazy? But I heard God speak it. I was obedient. And I told him, look, I'm going to drive Route 66. I'm being led to let you use my Miata. He was thinking about renting a Harley. I said, no, you don't want to do that on a motorcycle. I just wouldn't recommend that. And fortunately, he didn't rent that motorcycle because it was so blistering hot that I didn't hardly see anybody on bikes. It just was too hot. So anyway, I drove my Miata, 
and he picked it up at the end of July in Los Angeles and drove it back. When he got to the end of Route 66, which actually ends in Chicago, he said he drove around the city for two or three hours because he didn't want to trip the end and then drove on back to Atlanta. And God has led me for this July of next year to do another road trip. And he's given me all of these criteria, the type of cities I'm to stay in and how long and how many miles a day I can drive and all of these criteria. But one of the weird things about I won't say weird. Yeah, it is weird. One of the weird things about it, he says you'll only buy gas at Shell gas stations. And every time you go in to buy gas, you shall give the cashier a word and you shall bless them. So I'm saying I got to, every time, I can only buy gas at Shell stations. I got to go in. I got to speak a prophetic word to the cashier and give them some money. Yep. So I told the gentleman who drove my car back. On Route 66, I actually sent him my note file of all of the stuff I had to do. And God had said, this is going to be a trip that will be sown with blessings, and you shall be a blesser as you go. Everywhere you go, there will be a trail of blessings. He emailed me two days ago. He said, man, that trip has been really weighing on my spirit. Because what God has led you to do, I'm being led to do the same thing. And he sent me the links to two videos. A.V., if you would play the first video, it's called the God Pocket. And it's a different level. The God Pocket actually began when we read it in the book. It was a thought. Uh, Dr. Wilkinson in the book mentions that he has a place in his wallet he calls the God Pocket, where he puts his money. It's kind of a place that he separates from other money. Every morning, seven days a week, we go to McDonald's. We drive through the drive-through. I know it's a little twisted, but it's where we have our appointment with God. We literally go there to uh, use the master key and say, here am I, Lord, send me. There's a lot of people out there that feel like they've failed God. And we had been through that, didn't yes. we, honey? Uh -huh. Where we felt like broken vessels. We were tainted, and we felt tainted. And there are many people out there that feel tainted. You know, that God can't use them again. As you know, McDonald's has quite a few people working for them, quite a few different days of the week. There's all kinds of different people there, and God has nudged us many, many times. As we've said to the Lord through the master key, Lord, here am I, send me. One recently, a girl named Brooke, pregnant, almost ready to give birth in a couple weeks. We felt the nudge to give her $50. And as we drove through, she handed our food to us. And we said, we just feel like God wants us to give you this $50. And um, the next day, we went through again. And um, she passed a little card out the window. And in the card, it said this. I was going to buy my baby a car seat and I was trying to save enough money to buy the baby a car seat. And I had everything but $50.
We've just seen this happen so much. I mean, literally, the right amount of money. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. Sometimes $20 is a miracle. The tear begins to fill their eye, you know, and it just literally, they just are overwhelmed with somebody does care about me. And it's not just you caring about them. They know that it's God through you. And you can be an agent for God and, and partner with God and deliver miracles. And you're going to say, Lord, here am I, send me. And he's going to say, give. I look at Pammy and I say, what should, what should we do? $50. I said, that's what I was thinking. And the results were in the card. My wallet is divided into two sections. It's a little bitty fabric that goes down the middle of it. I'm going to name that front section the God pocket. And I know some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, I can't do what you do because I don't have that kind of money. It's not a matter of the amount. It's a matter of the spirit. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When I was young, I could not understand that. Now I do. And there's a lot of reasons why it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm going to try to explain just a smittering of those reasons why it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, we're moving into a, a season where it almost is reflected in maturity. A child is looking for a gift. A mature person is looking to give. And the younger you are and the less mature you are, the more focused you are on the gift I'm going to get. And the wiser you get and the more mature you become, you move into the arena and into the seat of the giver, not the receiver. But I don't want you to think about Thanksgiving as a day. First of all, when you check the history of it, it's not a good day. When you really go to the history of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving was the day the settlers from Europe got with the Indians to give thanks that they'd made it through the winter, but them settlers broke every treaty, stole nearly every acre of land, brought disease, war, death, destruction to the Native Americans. It wasn't a good Thanksgiving for them. So that's why I don't get hung up on days when you know the truth behind the days. It is the spirit that makes the difference. And you ought to live Thanksgiving 365 days a year and 366 on leap years. You ought to live that every day, that you give thanks and that you give to someone other than you. It's one of my daily commands. Help someone every single day. And when you move into the mentality of giving, when we look at the greatest tribulation, and all of us will go through tribulation sooner or later, in one form or another, some will live in tribulation. But we will all go through tribulation. And the greatest tribulation in the Bible is considered Job and all of the stuff that he went through. And Job went through all of this stuff for all of this long time. It was a long, long time. The Bible doesn't tell you how long. 
but some of the other books do. Job went through his tribulation for a long time. And Job prayed, and, and God thought super well of Job, and Job couldn't understand, why am I going through this? Why? And God did not change Job's tribulation. He would not remove Job's suffering. He would not restore Job's stuff. It wasn't until Job did one thing that God restored his stuff. Job prayed for his friends. Now, he'd been praying for himself all along. Lord, what would I do? Why? I wish I hadn't even been born. Lord, what'd I do? Get me out of this. Nothing turned. Nothing changed. His money wouldn't change. His health wouldn't change. His wife was nagging him. Nothing would change until Job prayed for somebody other than him. When he took the focus off of himself, and he was in bad shape, when he took the focus off of himself and put it on someone else to help them, then God changed his situation. And those friends had really done Job pretty rough because they told him, Job, you had to do some heavy sinning to cause all this on you. What in the world you do? And Job said, I haven't done anything, man. You had to do something. Nowhere in the world all this done happened to you and you didn't do something. See, sometimes you go through stuff and you don't understand why you got the thorn. Some of you all don't have a thorn. You got a whole bra patch. And you don't understand why. And sometimes it's God looking down. He said, have you considered my servant Job? And I'm going to send all this stuff on him. I'm going to do all this stuff to him because I know he will hold up and he will show the world what can be done with trials and tribulations and how you can come through. You don't know the purpose of why you have those thorns. But Job's situation was not turned until he prayed for his friends. Take the focus off of you. And when you take the focus off of you and what you want, what you need, and how folk have done you. I went to an event not too long ago, and I was taking them some gifts. And somebody told me, why are you going to give them something and they did you wrong? You remember when they did you wrong? I said, yeah, I remember that. Why are you going to give them something? I said, that's their problem. That ain't my problem. That's their problem. If I carry this within me, it's going to mess me up. It'll make me sick. I can't carry this. on. How many of y'all have had folk do you wrong? Raise your hand. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of y'all have done somebody wrong? Raise your hand. Exactly. Everybody who raised their hand had been wrong, have done somebody wrong. Absolutely. So you got to let this stuff go. It, it helps you to give to somebody even who has wronged you, it helps get the unforgiveness out of your system because unforgiveness will kill you. It'll make you sick. It'll make you depressed. You linger on all of this bad stuff and it blocks blessings from your life. And Jesus told you, it's in the Lord's prayer. Lord, forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Jesus tells you right after that, if you don't forgive other men's their sins, my Father in heaven will not forgive you your sins. So just giving someone something who has done you wrong helps to break this force of unforgiveness in your life. I've told you the story about the largest financial loss I had was a contractor who just didn't do right and he'd rip me off all this money and God said, get a man $10,000. I don't are you crazy? Are you crazy? And some of this stuff, it just feels in the logical crazy. I don't tell God that, but that's kind of what was running through the back of my, this can't be right. You only get this man. How much? And this man done cost me more money than anybody ever. He done ripped me off, lied to me. And you want me to get this man how much? And I didn't understand it until later. The gift was not so much for him. It broke something in me. So I didn't carry this unforgiveness around. And this stuff didn't make me sick and just didn't bring me down and have me depressed. It broke something in me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when Jesus gave the example, if they smite you on one cheek, turn the other also. It's a matter of showing them a different way. It does nothing for you to return like for like. Even the mafia does that. But when you return good for evil, what manner of man what manner of woman is this? For I can do wrong, and yet they turn around and bless me. What do they got that allows them to do this? Give. And I know it is difficult for some of us because some of us will say, I can use that myself. I need something myself. How many of you feel you need something? And here, pastor's talking about me giving. I need something myself. I need some more money. I need some more help. I need some more love. I need somebody to praise me. I need somebody to compliment me. I need something myself. I was just looking today at Prophet Dexter. Prophet Dexter has some of the smoothest skin of anybody I know. His wife knows that because I've never rubbed Prophet Dexter's skin. <laughs> But his wife knows it. But he's got some of the smoothest skin of anybody I know. Now, all of us, we want somebody to compliment us. But what about if you just spread a compliment to others and stop focusing on you? And just spread it to others. And you tell the truth. I don't lie. And sometimes when I've tried to help some people, I'm, I'm trying to find something good about them. No. No. Sometimes I have to really stretch it. But I always tell the truth. Give. And it changes you. They have done studies of where they have given people $100 and told them, spend this on yourself. And then they'll take another group of people and give them the same amount of money and tell them, spend this on others. And without 
fail. The group that spends the money on others always has greater happiness and greater satisfaction than the group who spends it on themselves. There's a power of giving. A.V., I want you to play the second video, the Waffle House video. So Thanksgiving's coming. Here's what I want you to do. Leave early when you go to Grandma's house for the feast. Put the kids in the car. We're going to leave 30 minutes early. And I want you to drive and park right in front of the Waffle House on the way to Grandma's house. I want you to leave the kids in the car. Leave your spouse in the car. Leave the car running. It might be cold. I don't know. Just come sit there. Kids, put the screens down and watch. I want you to go in there. I want you to sit at the counter. I want you to have a cup of coffee. And she'll come up and she'll pour your cup of coffee. When she does, I want you to look into her eyes. They'll tell a story. The Bible says the eyes are the windows to the soul. And she pours that coffee. Happy Thanksgiving. Pull out three of these $100 bills. I want you to leave them under the saucer. Slip out. Go sit down with the kids. Hey, kids, watch God show off. Let me tell you what she'll do. She'll pick them up. You know who's working Waffle House? Somebody needs a job. You know who's working Waffle House on Thanksgiving Day? Somebody needs a job. Bad. This right here is life-changing, baby. She'll pick this up and she'll go. Just bless her heart. It's been so long since anything good has happened. She thinks it's a trick. Now, you don't have to go to Waffle House. But I'm going to go to some Waffle House late at night. Can you imagine what you will do to someone's life to leave them a significant amount of money that they know they didn't deserve from just the service because you didn't get anything but a cup of coffee? It changes someone's life. And it's not just the money. It's the fact somebody cares. Somebody thought enough, or God has blessed me, because trust me, they've been praying for some situations. And I've had situations, and usually when I leave a huge tip, I get out as fast as I can. But I've had waiters and waitresses to follow me out in the parking lot and run in the parking lot and just crying and said, you just don't know. You don't know what I'm going through. And you don't know how this has affected my life. You have that power. You have the power to be an angel. You have the power to be a blessing from God, but you got to give. Now, I told you this is not about giving to the church. But I can just about guarantee you, if you ain't going to do right with God, you ain't going to do right with man. <laughs> I can just about guarantee you that. So the first thing you do have to do is you have to get right between you and God. And once you get right with you and God, it begins to flow out to others. You've got the power to change your life. If you just took $100, and that's a lot, you took $100 and left it under a cup of coffee in Waffle House, they will never, ever forget. You know, there's some things, and there's some things that strangers have done for you. And it's been 40 years ago, and you've never forgotten it. 
You've never forgotten. You don't even know the person's name. You've never forgotten it. And oftentimes, it's the kind of thing they've never had done before. Most of the people working in Waffle House, they've never seen a $100 tip. Nobody's ever given them a $100. And like Dave Ramsey said, if they're working Waffle House at 2 o'clock in the morning, they need a job real bad. Trust me, they don't have a 401k with six figures in it. Trust me on that. If they're working Waffle House at 2 o'clock in the morning, they need that money real bad. You can be a walking miracle. And when you do that, and don't wait around for them to praise you, get out of that. You don't even need to see it. I can tell you what's going to happen. You don't need to see it. God even has me, even when I travel, I leave a big tip in the, in the hotel room. I was with James once in the hotel called me. And they said, Mr. Bronner, you left some money in the room. The maintenance man found it and we figured you just left the money by mistake. We only let you know we got your money. I said, no, I didn't leave that by mistake. I left that for the maid. They said, what? How many maids do you think get a big tip? Most of the, and I do two things. I leave them a huge tip. And I leave the room absolutely spotless. They have the least amount of work to do. And they get the biggest reward. They know it's a gift. And they know it's from a divine source, even though it may come through a human. You have the power to be a walking angel. You don't have to do it that much. You do it once a month, once every three months, once every six months. You change lives just by giving. It brings a blessing into your life. And for a moment in time, it takes your mind off of your problems. For a moment in time. Because being able to give is a blessing in and of itself. If you can come up with $100 to give somebody, or $50, or $20, or $10, it means you have excess. You become angel. We often entertain angels unawares, but we have the power to becoming and to change lives and to make a difference in the world. You may not be able to be a Mother Teresa. No. You may not change the country. It reminds me of the old parable of the lady walking along the beach and all of these starfish had washed up on the beach. And she was picking up the starfish and throwing them back into the ocean as they were laying on the beach dying. And someone saw her, all these thousands of starfish dying on the beach, and he was picking them up and throwing them back. And they asked her, look, you see all these 
starfish all up and down this beach for miles. You can't save all these starfish. So you picking up a starfish here and there and throwing them back. So what difference that make? And she picked up a starfish, threw it back in the ocean, said, it made a difference to that one. You can't change the whole world. But you can make a difference to that one. You can make a difference to one person in Waffle House or McDonald's or wherever it is. It doesn't matter where it is. Sometimes I'll just be in a grocery store and I go through the cashier and I say, look, you have such a beautiful spirit. I just want to buy your lunch today. Don't nobody checking out at the grocery store ever get a tip? Never. Folk thinking about how long the line is and how quick they can get out. They're thinking only of themselves. When you change your spirit from just you to helping brighten someone else's life, guess who else it brightens? Thanks. From this day forward, become an angel. And don't just think about you. And God has me to help someone every day. And it doesn't have to be material. Just a word can change. Just a word. But you have the power. You have the ability. With Christ in you. You are angels. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for even blessing us that we can be blessings unto others. And Father, help us all to be able to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. And help us to get past our first reaction. You crazy? Lord, when you speak unto us, when you place it in our heart, when we have this tugging, Father, help us to say, Lord, I ask you to send me. I'm here. Yeah, this is big. Yes, this is a strain. Yes, this is unusual. But Father, you have sent me as an angel unto them. Help me to fulfill thy will and to be a blessing in the lives of others. And Lord, help me to turn from me to others. Your son was sent to die for me. I could at least give what I can to help others every day. Thank you, dear Father, for the angels who shall hear this word and fly. In thy son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor James to close us out for today. Amen. We thank Pastor for that just heart-touching message and you could just feel the impact that 
taking action on that message will cause in the lives of other people. And sometimes we wait on God to do things in the earth, but God is waiting on us, that we are his hands and his voice. And sometimes the only love that people will feel, and we will think about different ways of evangelizing, but the most impactful way is through love showing people and letting them feel and see the very love of God. It breaks down boundaries that no other theology can sometimes break down. That They don't have to use their minds to think about how do I know this is true. When they can feel the love of God, they can feel the power of it and say that somebody loves me, that God loves me. So make sure that you don't just listen to this message, but that especially during this holiday season, there are many families that they don't even have the resources to get their kids anything. So the blessing will be magnified in the time of need when they really want to bless their children and can't. So I still remember when I was just probably 12 years old, every Christmas my mother would find families and she would get the sizes of the kids and we would go to the mall and shop for them and, and bring a bounty of Christmas gifts for families that couldn't afford. I can still remember the excitement upon their face and them trying on shoes and clothes that they didn't expect and, and that was something my mother did every year and I can remember that clearer then I can remember what I got for Christmas at those ages. And it shows you the impact. I can't even remember most of the things I got, but I can remember what I helped pick out for others with my mother. So that's something just to incorporate in your families that it teaches the children more than uh, any lesson out of the Bible that they may not be able to relate to thousands of years ago. But when you show them the love of God and allow them to participate in it to others, something that they'll never forget. So we thank Pastor for just sharing his day-to-day life of thanksgiving of how the Lord has led him to bless others and even with the videos. So it gives us something actionable that we all can do. We all can be a blessing and we're all needed to be a blessing because you will go some places that none of the pastors will go. You'll go places that may not even have a church in that community, that they may not ever hear the gospel preached, that God will send you to minister to those that may not be touched any other way. And if you don't follow the leading, that person might be lost. But God may be sending you, so just... Be conscious of wherever you are. It may be the gas station or a restaurant or just a store. Just be sensitive to the leading of God. And don't be afraid to go and bless as he leads you. Amen. Well, with heads bowed at this time, if there's anybody in this place and God is leading you to declare him Lord and Savior, or if you've known him and you're straight away and you just want to come back and make it right today, your relationship with him. The altar is open and we'll pray with you and we'll get you back on solid footing. 
with the Savior. And our second appeal is if you've been coming and hearing the word of God and God is leading you to join this body of believers, the doors of the church are open. And so you can come for either one of those two appeals for membership or salvation or rededication. I said take action so one of the things you need to be prepared so pastor he will not just get money out of the ATM that he needs for his day to day but he will get out that cash to bless people because you may be somewhere and God will move on you but you know you can't exactly a lot of time do that with a credit card so hearing the message you need to go by the ATM or the bank and Get some cash and either put it in your car or put it in a special place in your wallet or purse. And you just pray over it and say, Lord, move upon my heart when it's time to give it and how to give and how much to give. And watch God move upon your heart. But if you don't have anything but the money you need for gas, then even if he moves, you got to figure out well, how I'm going to get it to him. So that's the first step is get some extra out and say this is going to be God's blessing money. Put it in a separate place in your car, your wallet, your purse. Pray over it and ask God to lead you how to bless others. And then watch what will happen. Amen. Well, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the word that you've sent today, O oh Lord. We thank you for even allowing pastor to sit down so he could take his time with this word, oh Lord, so that we may chew on it and digest it, oh Lord, and put it into practice, oh Lord. We pray that you'll make us a blessing, oh Lord, all the more, oh Father. We pray that you'll sensitize our hearts right now, oh Lord, that when we're in the right place, oh Lord, among the right people, that we'll get the nudge to go and help, oh Lord, we pray, O oh Lord, that we'll be generous with our time and resources, O oh Lord, that we'll even go and prepare to get out the money for you to use us with, O oh Father. We thank you, Lord, for just being a God that sees us right where we are, O oh Lord. And we pray, O oh Father, that you'll use us, O oh Lord, to reach those that feel like nobody sees them, O oh Lord that we'll be able to leave a note and leave a blessing to let them know that God sees them, that he not only sees them, but he cares for them, that he loves them, that he wants to bless them, oh Lord. We pray, oh Lord, that you'll use us as your evangelists of love, oh Father, that your emissaries of love. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You are listening to BrothersoftheWord.com. This was the message titled, Rest Thanksgiving Angels, by Nathaniel Brunner. This message is number 2017. That's 2017. To listen to thousands of free messages, or to send this message number 2017 to a friend, go to BrothersoftheWord.com. If this message has been a blessing to you, and you would like to help support this ministry, Go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often, because brother you need. 
Word. Well, well.